there, podcast listeners. Welcome to a new episode of Field Days, an award-winning podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your almost witty hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello and welcome to an episode of Field Days Podcast. I'm Greg Straub, joined as always by the department spokesperson, Chris Gouts. Chris, how are you today, man? I am good. I am back in the office, and it feels good because it seems like I have not been here for a couple weeks. We've been on the road, we've been touring all over the place, and it's good to be good to be home, I guess. Yeah, you know, last week we uh, spent a couple days with um, the American Parole Probation Association, better known as APPA or APA. Uh, they visited Michigan, which was great. You heard that episode last week. Um, we had their executive director here, Veronica Cunningham, and a couple of her staff. Uh, it, it, you know, it's it's amazing that um, out of 50 states, they chose Michigan to come visit um, the parole probation staff to say thank you for the work that they're doing um, during pretrial parole probation sur- supervision week. And uh, it was cool. They were, they, they were here for a couple of days. We went to Detroit. We went to Kalamazoo. We visited an office in Lansing. And uh, I, I think they I think they were impressed, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. You, you could really tell. You know, and to us, it was just the honor, like you said, that they chose to come here when they could have gone anywhere. I mean, they could have gone to Hawaii. Yeah, that's where I would have probably gone. Yeah, that's no where offense. I would have gone. But and, but they came here. It was very cool, and I think it was. I think our staff really appreciated. It. On top of the fact, one that they were just being recognized, uh, as as we all were recognizing staff, but also you know when we go uh, and and meet staff, I think they're appreciative and they get to you know talk to the deputy director. But he wasn't giving out trips to Miami, so That's which which story. they were. So several several lucky uh, folks uh, are going to get uh, free registrations down to their conference in Miami, so which is very cool. Yeah, it was. You know when when. Uh and that was unexpected. We didn't know that they were It was very unexpected. They, they came with uh, a membership for a year for certain people, um, which, which they passed out in every office. So, you know, some of our staff got memberships uh, to APPA for a year free, which is great. I mean, it's only 50 bucks a year anyways. But, um, that, I mean, that's, that's great that they came. They came with, uh, with swag, I guess, better swag yeah. than we had, I think, <laughs> but more, better than a water bottle, right? But it was nice. It was great. And we can't say uh, enough how much we appreciate them taking time to drive all the way up here to Michigan from Kentucky. Um, at 4 o'clock in the morning, they said they left uh, to visit with our staff and say thank you for the great and hard work that they do. But, you know, on top of uh, the couple of days we spent with APA, um, you know, you were out with the deputy director, and uh, you guys were up north visiting um, some offices in lower northern Michigan, right? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We got to meet some really great staff. We got to see the differences in the offices. But I think I think it would help because yeah, you went to Lawton and Lasser in Detroit, and, <laughs> yes. then, and then you go to Sheboygan. There's, there's, there's a little bit of a difference there, right? <laughs> there's a little bit of a little bit of a difference, uh, but it was great to see. It was, it was great to listen to the employees. We met some outstanding staff, some some new staff, some staff that had been around for a long time and had some experience, and they all had really great perspectives. And they just had real you know common sense approach to things, and were able to tell the deputy director. And make some suggestions, uh, some things that maybe people here in Lansing might not have thought of. It was great. And he takes all those. He wants to hear from staff. He took all the suggestions. He, he was writing them down, put them in his phone. In some cases, <clears throat> somebody would say something, and he would get on his phone. He would type out an email, and he would say, it's taken care of. That's, that issue's done. You don't mm-hmm. have to worry about that anymore. I've, I've taken care of it. And to see people, you could see their reaction. They're very pleased with that. They had no idea that you know you could just mention something to the deputy director, and five minutes later, this issue Oof, that you've been fixed. worrying about has been, has been fixed. So that was really... Really cool to see. Yeah, he I mean, he routinely says um, to me all the time that you know his his favorite part of this job is not sitting in his office and you know thinking up all these policies. He really really enjoys getting out, talking with staff, figuring out what they need, what changes they want to make, and uh, getting their ideas and coming back here and um, trying to implement as many of those as possible. So it was great. Uh, I love the positivity of the staff up there. I mean, they they are just positive people who 
um, just want to get a job done, want to work as a team, want to work across different counties, and they just they just get stuff done up there. And uh, it, it was great to see everybody up there, and it was great. It was a great week of um, pretrial, parole, probation, supervision, uh, appreciation week. You know, if, if a deputy director didn't get out and Chris didn't get out to see you in your office, um, you know, I, I hope you enjoyed the week. Hope you had some some things going on in your office with your region manager or supervisor, and you got. Uh, to feel uh, a little appreciated for the for the great work that you do. So, you know, to all roughly 1,200, um, you know, agents uh, out there, we can't tell you enough how how much we appreciate you and uh, how much of an impact you are making on the Department of Corrections in the state of Michigan. So, kudos to everyone out there. Hope you enjoyed the week, and uh, you know, we'll we'll continue every day thanking you for for the work that you do. And I get, I just have to say <coughs> that. Um, it was really cool as we were up there making these, do, doing these tours. When I would get on Twitter and, and see the th- posts that you were making about our visits, there would be 15 yeah. t- tweets from all over the state. People doing amazing things, thanking their staff. Really cool, you know, buying them T-shirts, buying them ice cream, yeah. you know, Sundays, and uh, doing all sorts of uh, events and doing you know activities outside and cornhole and frisbee and all, all sorts of. It was just amazing to see the the creativity all across the state and then engaging with uh, all or all around the state and, and showing off what they were doing was really inspiring to see. And I really hope that uh, people continue to do that and, and not just on, on, a, on that week, but, but continue to engage their staff and, and show show them how much they appreciate them. I thought it was really great. So kudos to everybody out there, the one that was coming up with those ideas, but also they're pushing them out on social media because those are the kind of things that got APPA to come here because right. they saw how, how much we were doing on Twitter and promoting our staff and where other states you know, don't do that or they, they just think they're too busy and they, they don't even make time for APPA or for PPPS week. Uh, and here we're going, I think, above and beyond what any other state is doing. It was it's really normal cool. for us. It's not above and beyond. Yeah. It's just, it's just it's, what we do here. Yeah, so. it's really cool. It's great, yeah. Um, you know, to, to, to get off that topic now and to move towards, uh, what is this, our 102nd episode, Chris, now? I think so, yeah. So our 100th episode was a couple weeks ago and, uh, you know, Chris and I kind of went out and talked to some former, um, some past guests, uh, number one being Aaron DeLuf, who was our very first guest if you don't count uh, the guy up north, Kevin Iatt, as our first guest. Um, so we, we got to visit her and say thank you for coming on. She was uh, the pioneer with us to get this thing kicked off. And, you know, she told some great stories about her work as an embedded agent and, uh, you know, some stuff about her family, which was awesome and engaging. So thank you, Aaron. We got, it was a nice visit we had with you. Then we traveled over to, uh, to Jackson to see Lisa Hendricks and Aaron Dungey, who were on one of the, the first episodes to talk about their, their drug court and the, and the awesome work they're doing there. Uh, to you know, combat some of the opioid issues uh, in Jackson County. And while we were in Jackson, of course, we stopped by to see the judge who was on our podcast to talk about uh, her court and what she's doing in drug court. And that's uh, Judge Susan Jordan, who took time to um, say hi to us, and that was great. And then, Chris, we went uh, to some CFA folks. We traveled over to, uh, to see Matt Mates over, over at Cooper Street, which is great. He took time uh, to come on last year on the podcast and talk about some employee engagement stuff, uh, employee rec day stuff. And uh, then we went over to see um, Warden uh, Melinda Brayman, who was on the podcast to talk about her Vogue Village down there at SMT. So thanks to everybody who took time that day to, to say hi. And, you know, we, we wanted to make sure we appreciated them um, for coming on and talking about uh, the unique things going on in their area. So it was, it was a good day. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was great to see staff. You know, some of the people who have really engaged with us, you know, either on social media or or have just been fans and friends of the pod. It was it was nice to be able to go out and, and pass out things to them. You know, Erin was the very first guest, so she never got a water bottle, so we were able to bring her a water bottle and, and some 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 of the new swag that we hand out to guests. 
Um, on top of that, before we even started the day, we went around to central office and visited all of the people that have been on the on the podcast before and dropped off uh, some uh, swag items, some, some new, uh, notepads, uh, sticky notes for for all of uh, all of our great staff. There must have been, I don't know, 20 or 30 uh, people in the central office that we went and saw uh, yeah, that it was. morning. And every floor. Was every, every floor was represented. We, we saw people on every floor. Uh, so that that was a lot of fun, and like you said, it was great to go to the, both the CFA and the FOA side and, and see and the BOA side. You saw you saw Shannon Pike. Yeah, Shannon Pike. Yeah. yeah, it was a couple people on the fifth floor that. Uh, I used to talk about Sigma. I think I think Shannon talked about Sigma. So yeah, that's what he was on for. Yeah, so we saw and we uh, dropped some some stuff off. Some people weren't there. We missed Kathy Arnold, uh, Wendy Hart, a couple of people that weren't in their office, but we left them on their desk. So. If you're wondering what that was from, uh, I'll hope that the big field days logo on it was a clue. But uh, thank you for for being on. Uh, it was it was really it was a fun day. If you haven't listened to that episode, uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that one. And thank you not only to everybody that's been on, but also to all the ones who sent in uh, their clips uh, that we played uh, on the podcast. We had so many people from all over the country, all over the state, all over the department that sent in those audio clips, including the governor, including Kamara. Uh, so a little Easter egg. If sometimes maybe you, maybe you turn off the the episode a little too early, um, because you hear the, the the familiar cues at the end of the episode, which we did on the, almost did uh, on the way almost did almost did on the, on the while we were on our tour, and Kamara stopped us and we listened, and all of a sudden there was Kamara's voice after a hundred episodes of asking for it. Yeah, she gave her a little gave her a little shout out. So that was really cool. As it well. was yeah, it was great because I mean, we had the governor on, we had uh, the director on, we had the executive director of ASCA on, we had some pretty big people on. Yeah, and my favorite guest of course was Kamara. She she we. We've been trying to get her on for two, yes. three years now, I think. And she finally came on the podcast. Her voice was on the podcast, and um, I think we're gonna we're gonna put that co- podcast in a in a frame and put it in our offices. So it was great to hear Kamara's voice on the podcast. Thanks, Kamara. So we got a big week, Chris. Right? What's what's happening end of the week? We got uh, t- today's guest is gonna be it's gonna be awesome. It's um, but it's gonna tie into the graduation this week, right? Yes, we've got uh, more than 70 officers that are going to be graduating on Friday here at the Lansing Center, including uh, about 15 of them uh, that are going to be going directly to uh, Women's Huron Valley, which is uh, in need of, of new officers, as we say all the time. And, and so, if, again, if, if you know somebody who's looking for a job, <laughs> WHV would love to, to have you uh, go online, learn how to apply. But we've got uh, 15 new staff at, at the Valley and another 60-plus that are going to be going to other institutions around the state. Uh, so they'll be, they'll be graduating on a Friday. And so that's why we had on this week uh, Lynn Sullivan, who is a trainer uh, that helps train uh, staff uh, the, to go directly to the Valley. And, you know, we, we're always looking to find ways to promote our facilities. Uh, and I mean, we go around, we talk to wardens, and, or we talk to FOA and supervisors, and we say, you know, what, what can we do to help promote? And when I talked to Warden Sean Brewer and I asked him, you know, who would be a good emissary? Who could we talk about, the, you know, something positive about what's going on at, at WHV? And without hesitation, he said, you should talk to Lynn Sullivan. She has a passion and a drive for what she does, and she's making a difference. She's changing lives, and she's, we can tell the people who come that have been trained by Lynn, uh, you, can t- you can just tell that there's a quality to them and, and a, an extra bounce in their step. Uh, and so... Uh, we, we talked with her. We, you're going to hear a great conversation. You, you're, you're going to be able to hear uh, the passion um, that, that she feels for her job. It really does get to her. Uh, it's, it's really it's very sincere. Um, and, you know, I think a couple of times she was kind of choked up, and it almost made me choke up how much you could. It's great when you meet an employee and you can tell how passionate they are and how much they truly care about their job uh, because, you know, I think they recognize uh, how, how much of a difference that they're making in people's lives. Not only into that individual officer, but that officer is then going to go into that facility with that attitude and help them change the lives of the offenders, their families, and hopefully reduce that cycle of criminality uh, just by 
you know, the few weeks that you have with them in, in training, um, the impact you can have can last generations. And so uh, it's great when you have somebody like Lynn that can do that. Um, and so I think you guys are going to have a enjoy this conversation with Lynn Sullivan. And I'm sure that we will see her uh, at uh, graduation on Friday. I think she's got one more class she's going to graduate that she's going to help. So if you're out there looking to, to be trained and go to the Valley, you've got one more chance to uh, be under the tutelage of Lynn Sullivan. And if you do, you'd be, you'd be all the better for it. So why don't we hear uh, our interview with Lynn Sullivan? I'm very excited today to have on uh, a CFA guest. You know, we, we've, uh, we, we try to spread the love across all administrations. And I'm excited to have a great CFA guest on today, and that is Lynn Sullivan. So welcome to Field Days, Lynn. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. And so tell us about you. You're a corrections officer right now, but when did you get your start? What do you do? Where have you been throughout your career, and what are you doing now? Well, I actually uh, got my start almost 25 years ago, October the 11th, 1993. The first facility I began um, my work was Scott Correctional in Plymouth, Michigan, and then I came to Women's Huron Valley by way of Scott Correctional Closing. So I've only worked at two correctional facilities in my career. I've always worked with the female offender. Well, that's interesting, but you have there's a there's something you're leaving out, right? We we talked before, and I feel like you're leaving a very important part of your career out. So go ahead and tell us what's going to happen this year, maybe this fall. Oh, absolutely. I I apologize. I am so excited to be able to say that uh, come November the 1st, I will retire. Well, congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, Chris, I'm glad we got her on before uh, before she retired. Very lucky timing. Yeah, very lucky. Not not much time left. So, Lynn, you were were here uh, at Washington Community College today because we have some corrections officers going through the academy, right? Yes. So, and you are facilitating this training, correct? Yes. Okay, so let's talk about training. So you're an officer. How did you get your start in training corrections officers? Oh, I began probably around 15 years ago, and I just always had uh, a strong interest in knowledge. I, I enjoy learning. And we had one uh, human resource developer who he just seemed to know everything. And as I sat in his class, I just wished that I could be like inside of his brain to pick it. I mean, he just seemed to know a little bit about everything. And after the class, I asked, you know, how do you know all of this stuff? And at that time, he told me that he believed I would be a great trainer. And with that, I got my start. You know, Greg had that same conversation with me. He saw me and, and he saw me. How do you guys know? How do you know so much stuff about everything? So it's really <laughs> said no so one much, ever, Chris so much said no one ever. <laughs> So so let's so let's talk about let's talk about training. So, and, and you can you can say who that person was if you want to if you feel comfortable saying who that person was who gave you um, the start basically. That person he no longer works for the department, but his name was Stan Arrington. Okay, I'm glad that Stan got you involved in this because um, you're doing some important work, right? I mean, this is this is very very important stuff when a new person comes to the Department of Corrections and wants to be a corrections officer. It's a very important job. It's an impactful job. Uh, it's a dangerous job. Mm-hmm. So, talk about what what you do. I mean, what what? So, you, you're training officers, but there's more than just training officers, right? Talk about the process from from the time you see them t- until the time they shake the director's hand and, and they and she says good luck in your facilities and you know. From the time they first walk into the Department of Corrections, for the most part, I feel as though they really haven't a clue what it is they are about to enter. So they come in, 
you know, uh, this civilian with this civilian attitude. And all of a sudden, their lives are drastically changed. Um, they have to start saying, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. You know, I'm directing them what they can and cannot do. So from the very first part, it's pretty shocking for them. You know, and then uh, as they sit in the classroom and they begin to receive the material and grasp the material and they have an opportunity to ask questions, it's almost as if you can see them evolving into not yet an officer, but an officer that's on the job, just training. And then to see them at the end of it, you know, and they have this official uniform on, you know, their shoes are shine, they're polished, and they think they know it all. You know, they go to graduation, um, they shake the, they walk across the stage, they shake the director's hand, and then they receive the other 320 hours of OJT. Um, and then when they, when they do have an opportunity to see me, they all like want to run and share their experience. So it's, it's, if I had to explain it, it's like watching a caterpillar uh, evolve into a, that butterfly. Yeah. And you said, how long have you been doing this? 15 years? About 15 years. Okay. So having said what you just said, as far as what the training process is and kind of what people look like when they first walk through the doors and then when they shake the director's hand, how has, tra- how has training changed in those 15 years? What, is it is the exact same 15 years ago as it is today? Or what, what's that look like now compared to then? Well, um, if I may, let me go back. I've been training altogether 15 years, not necessarily um, with uh, the academy 15 years. Okay. I think I probably began uh, training with the academy maybe 10 years ago. I could be wrong on that a couple of years. But with regards to the academy, some of the things that have changed is, for one, we're here at Washtenaw Community College. Um, we are satellite, and, and that's something that's usually not done. We're generally pretty much all together. Some of the other things that have changed is um, the officers are now receiving their uniform on the front end, and I love that, you know, because it allows them to have a feeling of an officer right from the start as opposed to being a civilian. Um, other things that have changed, um, when training went through I don't know, their changes, they no longer had uh, official training lieutenants, which is how I was able to step in and, and offer my training skills. Um, now training has gone back, and I, I believe they just rehired uh, HRDs specifically to work at the academy. So those are some of the changes that I'm aware of. What would you say, you know, we talked earlier and you said that you've trained uh, officers to go to work at both uh, men's facilities and women's facilities. What, what's the difference that, that you see or do you have to train them differently? What, what goes into that? Um, when I'm at the academy in Lansing, I don't just have in a, a, a class field specifically with recruits going to WHB. So you train according to policy. But the difference being here with uh, the Washtenaw uh, class, or the Benita Hoffner class, I should say, excuse me, every single recruit is going to WHV. So the difference is they get to ask questions, and I can specifically answer the questions as it relates to that facility. Do you think that that helps? And plus, you've, you've worked there, too, as well, so you can speak from experience of, that, of what they're going to get into. Absolutely. You know, in almost every situation, I believe that there are advantages and disadvantages. That is one of the advantages. Mm-hmm. 
well, we, we toured the facility this morning to, to take a walk around and, and for another project. And uh, I have from very high authority somebody that said that they can tell, not to speak ill of anybody else, but they can tell the difference between officers that were trained by you that, and then ones that come from somewhere else. They can see it uh, in the way that they walk and carry themselves. And so you are a very well-respected member of this training uh, consortium. Thank you. I, I will just note before you say that, that's something that no, no one has ever said about you, though. So. <laughs> that, that, is, that is true. That is, yes, that, that, that is very true. So what do you, I mean, you've been doing this for a while, and, and you have to, I think you have to want to do it. I mean, what, what, do you, what do you enjoy? What do you get out of, out of training officers? Just really, again, seeing them make that change, make that change from being a regular civilian to beginning to think like an officer, walk like an officer, feel like an officer. That's one of the things that I truly enjoy. i get a quick question for you about that. So when you started training 10 years ago, from the people you're training just down the hall here, is there a difference in the person that's coming through the doors and wanting to be an officer as far as, you know, not just, I mean, you can, you know, count people and you can walk through up and down and make sure people are doing the right thing and where they're supposed to be. But do you see people now who are coming through the doors that actually want to help people, want to have that impact uh, on the people inside the facilities so when they come out, they're a better person? I do see that. Um, some of the changes that I see that are for the positive are more of the younger people have their degrees already. And so um, they, they get the whole uh, communication piece that is attached to training. They understand the importance of, of um, communication. Um, and so they have a greater value with regards to the offender's success. It's as if they're already tied in, they're connected to it. So that makes, in my opinion, easier for me to deliver that uh, as opposed to maybe even 10, 15 years ago. So you're going to retire in November, right? Yes. So so somebody's going to have to fill your your shoes. Somebody's going to come in. It's hard to fill your shoes. I understand that. But somebody's going to have to fill your shoes. If someone wants to do what you do right now, can you talk about the benefits of of being a trainer and helping COs? But more importantly, maybe some of the sacrifices that you've had to face being a trainer. Absolutely. Um, some of the sacrifices, uh, it's just the long hours. You know, um, a person that wants to become a trainer needs to really understand and, and really want that internally, intrinsically. They really need to want to become a trainer, not someone that just wants to escape um, the duties and responsibilities being inside the prison. The sacrifices, another sacrifice is they have to be willing to study the material. You have to study the material. It, for me, it, it doesn't come easy. You have to be willing to read the material, study the material, uh, practice speaking the material, practice the techniques. And there's also, there may be times when you aren't able to attend a family vacation if you are slated to do training that week. So that, that are some, those are some of the sacrifices that I've had to um, give up. Mm-hmm. What about uh, over the course of your career in, in training uh, officers? Uh, maybe some your your favorite success stories or people that that you've you've trained that were recruits that are now officer of the year or or have done something like along those lines <laughs> that you can look back and proudly and say, I remember when when she or he was sitting in my class. Wow, I've had the opportunity and the pleasure to first and foremost meet and work with some amazing 
amazing people. Um, and then to look back and, and say, this person was a recruit of mine, you know, a person that has um, maybe promoted and, you know, and now they're my shift supervisor or commander. For me, there's no greater feeling. Um, I, I have one of my past or former recruits working with me at this academy. And, and that's, that's just so fulfilling to know that this person sat before me six years ago. And here she is working alongside me as my FTO. Uh, as well as she was Corporal of the Year for Women's Huron Valley. That's, that's satisfying for me. I don't know, it's, it's almost as if it's one of your kids and they've you know, graduated. You know that, that pride you have when your child graduates or does something wonderful and you're just smiling? I, that's the feeling. It's like, yes. <laughs> Spoken like a true leader, Chris. I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that's leadership 101 right there. Absolutely. Um, good, that's great stuff. Lynn, yes. you know you are you are doing such an important job for the Department of Corrections. Such a, you're having such an impact on this department and the people in this department. Um, you can't say that we have great staff without the people who have trained them. So uh, thanks to you for what you do every single day in this Department of Corrections, and um, thanks for coming up field days. We really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. All right. As always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Field Day's podcast.